Ann Legrand, and this is The Shaman's Notebook. Today, my guest is Guy Finley, author of The Secret of Letting Go, Freedom from the Ties that Bind, and over 30 other books and audio programs on the subject of self-realization. Welcome. Hi, thanks, Suzanne. Right now in the world, it's safe to say that there are profound changes going on. We're all aware that things in the world have not been working for a long time, and yet change is scary. Uh, so the topic of your book, The Secret of Letting Go, seems particularly timely. I'm wondering if we could start by talking a little bit about that book. You say at the beginning, we can't hope to realize the actual nature of the new until we're ready to and can release the old. Why is it so hard to let go even when we know that the new might be actually a good thing? Well, there's there are so many sides to this particular jewel that uh, I'll just select one of them. Everything about our relationships with each other, with our society, our culture, our country, you name it. All of those relationships are predicated on a host of thoughts and beliefs, opinions that we have that we did not formulate ourselves, but that we were brought into more like a sort of a hermit crab dressing its shell with all of the things that it finds as it trudges along the ocean bottom. We have been decorated with a, an incredible amount of misinformation about who we are, why we're on this planet, the purpose of our place on this planet. And because of that, how can we possibly have a proper relationship with anyone or anything as long as we believe, to your question, that all that really matters is that we have what we want and that we can do the best we can after we have that to help others. Everything's upside down, literally, Susan. Letting go is the gradual discovery that the problems that I have in life are not because of the world around me, but because of the way I relate to my own interior world, how I see the world. That's the problem. And until we change the way we think about the world, we can't change the world that we think about. We can't see anything new until we are renewed. Letting go is an inside job. We think letting go is everybody else's responsibility. And if we could just get them to do that, everything would be fine. Nothing could be further from the truth. Why would we be born into a world where we're given so much misinformation? Well, it's not by our choice, is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an interesting proposition. So you're saying that um, we've been given a lot of misinformation about how the world is and maybe also about how we are as well. What's yes. an example of some something that we have been we've inherited that that you think has has made us unable to see ourselves clearly? Oh, Susanna, the, the list runs so deep and long, but we'll just begin with a simple one. We believe that our worth as a human being depends upon how others value us and then attribute that value in our relationships. There is nothing more painful, more destructive, and ultimately corrupting than believing that who I am depends on you liking me or agreeing that my life is worthwhile. When I live from these images, and that's what we're talking about, 
We take the image of what I'm supposed to be as the reality of my possibility. No image is the reality of my possibility. My real possibility rests in divesting myself of the images that define me. So that until I can begin to see through these images and my subsequent identification with them, which is the real problem, there isn't a chance that I can come upon the real me, the real Susan, the real identity that we have as human beings. So we begin with this incredible misunderstanding. And where did we get it from? My mother and father believed that unless they had everything tied down, life was going to the hell in a handbasket. So you would see your mother and father be anxious, get angry, be frightened, full of ambition, running around trying to make the world match the idea they had of that they got from their mother and father. This is what it means in scripture. The sins of the father are handed down seven generations. That sin is a consciousness that is asleep to itself. And as it sleeps to itself, it can only dream of ways to escape the nightmares it creates in its unconscious state. So really the process of letting go begins with waking up and realizing I am connected to an unreal world that is the fabrication of an unconscious mind that keeps creating reality in its own image. No wonder I'm a fearful, anxious mess. I am not on this planet to create, my, to complete myself. I am here on this planet to let go of myself and discover I was created whole to begin with. Hmm. So this is a little bit like waking up from the matrix, right? You know, sure. It's a fine analogy. It's discovering that I have been asleep without knowing it. My life has been serving a, a process that could do nothing but steal from me my vital energies. And in discovering that I have been an unwitting, complicit person in a process that can do nothing but develop the very thing that's killing me, now I have a choice, the red pill or the blue pill or whatever it was. And if we're smart, even though it's painful, we'll take the pill that helps us use our suffering instead of being used by it to recognize a real relationship with life based in an entirely different understanding of our purpose on this planet, who and what we are and why we're here. So this sounds like a pretty monumental undertaking to uh, <laughs> to completely wake up from all of the, the inheritance of um, consciousness uh, going back at least seven generations from our parents. Oh, How do we even <laughs> begin that? How, where it, do we start? It goes for back much further than that. Okay. <laughs> well, let's just, you know, we'll, we'll take a chunk of it. Like, let's sure. just say that much. How, where see, do we start? Susan, Suzanne, look, one of the things that's problematic is that my mind is a McDonald's drive-through mind. It, it wants to know how, when, and how fast can I get to what I imagine is what I need to be free. Well, our task is not to imagine what we need to be free, but to see that we are a captive of an unconscious imagination. All I need to do is wake up from that in the moment. For example, a bit of something that people can chew on. 
relative to letting go. I'm asking you to be the advocate here. Can you see that there is no such thing as psychological fear without negative imagination? Without negative imagination, it is impossible to be psychologically afraid, period. So in other words, without um, some threat that we imagine. Exactly. Without some perceived threat that seems to take from us who and what we think we are, without the projection of that, there's no way we can be punished by fear. If that's true, it means that fear, which it is, is literally a bad dream. You will never find fear in the present moment. Fear is always a projection of what may be, or it is post-event, and then mind comes in and starts to talk about what happened and then scares itself. We are literally, we have fallen into a world where we are self-frightening creatures, but blame the world that we perceive as being responsible for what's ruining our moments with life itself. So to the point, if there is no psychological fear without negative imagination, if there's no psychological fear without having been trapped in a dream, then where's the power? Who has the power? Does the dream have the power? Or is the power resting in a man or a woman's mind who can suddenly wake up and realize, sweet God, I have just agreed that what I'm fearing is real and it's going to take place so that instead of living in fear, let me be present to myself See, the fear is trying to take me over and then have real choices to make in that moment when I'm afraid, when fear is telling me something needs to be done. Fear is a binary operation. Fear says fight or flight. That's the only alternative fear gives us, fight or flight. And once that reaction is defined, fight, then we get all of the associated thoughts and feelings connected with that fight Here's what you do. Don't let them get away with that. Get Run after this, fix that, or flight. We need to avoid this until we're better prepared. We need to go get someplace where we can sit and figure this out. No matter which option fear offers, fight or flight, both are losing offers because both um, confirm the existence of a self that has something it can lose given any uh, possible moment. What if real fearlessness is the realization that everything that happens to us happens to us for the sake of our development? That's what fearlessness is. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. What if we understand that only goodness can appear with any lesson because the lesson is always the revelation of some part of our consciousness that is asleep and doesn't know it, and there's the wake-up call. Wow, that sounds interesting, but I want to challenge you on this point here. Anything. So I understand that imagination or what we imagine drives fear, but we also live in a material world where there are certain um, realities that may or may not be fearful, but that we have to deal with. So for example, let me just give you an example here. I could say that it's all in my head that um, I may have to move and I don't see a place to move to. Um, now, you know, there's a lot of fearful projections in that, but I also look around and say, okay, well, 
got to do something here in this reality that I've be, been given that has to do with um, the options that I see before me. How is what? it that I deal, you know, I, I understand what you're saying, um, that that much of what we imagine in the past and the future is perpetuated by fearful imaginings, but but it's not all in our head. I mean, there are some consequences I, about how we live in the world. I didn't say there isn't. What so does how do the, we feel? So then, but I, I understand, mm -hmm. and I understand okay. it. it is frustrating. It drives people crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, we've heard the expression. Uh, uh, here's an, an enlightened monk, and before he became enlightened. What did he do? He chopped wood and carry water. And then somebody says, well, what do you do now? I chop wood and I carry water. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the meaning of that koan is that there are endless things that one has to do given their particular point in time and their responsibilities there. Mm -hmm. But what does me becoming fearful and limited in choice have to do with choices I have to make? Fear becomes the limitation, not the power to get me through the moment. So to recognize that I allow this reaction, that I'm participating with a reaction that is a limitation, is the beginning of the end of my relationship to that reaction. It's not that it doesn't show up. But now I understand it is not there to guide me. Fear is not a guide. We make fear a god when it tells us what to do and who we are and what our possibilities are. Well, I don't want fear as my God. What I want is intelligence, love, wisdom. I want something to go before me and help me understand the real possibilities. But I can't get to real possibilities until I recognize and let go of all the false possibilities that fear and other negative reactions present. So this is great. So we're at the point of, okay, we know that fear is not a good guide. Yes, and we it's do. a limiting guide, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, and we want to move away from that to see other possibilities. So how is it that we do that? How is it that we let go of, of fear or the extent to which we've been maybe um, moving or using fear as a guide? How do we let go of it? We have, and I, I, I trust just from our conversation that you'll agree with this. You opened our the dialogue with it. We have become desensitized human beings. We are desensitized. I mean, almost to the point, God forbid, that that there, there is a place beyond which when a person becomes that crystallized, that there's no getting through, it's done. Their possibility in this lifetime on this planet is wrapped up because everything's so hardened, hardened with beliefs, assumptions, identities, demands. But God willing that we're not, you and I are having a good conversation about it. Have you ever picked up a skillet and do you, you know, you were sitting there having a glass of wine, chatting it up, and you reach over fully asleep and pick up the skillet. And then do you have to think to yourself, oh, Suzanne, you've picked up a hot skillet. I think that you need to put it down. Or <laughs> is the physical intelligence in the body so quick that it protects itself? And you drop the skillet and there goes the pasta and the whole dinner. And now you have to drink for the rest of the evening. <laughs> right? Could be worse. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you get it. There is an innate intelligence in our physical body that will not harm itself. If our physical body is a manifestation 
an expression of the soul of our essential life how much more intelligent is the soul is the essence we're given when we come into this world that when it picks up the the heat of an anxiety the the pain of a fear the 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 uh, the angst in a sorrow that when it picks that up would we not be given though we are asleep to it the instantaneous recognition that this consciousness has just handed me something that I have always picked up blindly and been led blindly by it just to a reincarnation of that consciousness and repeating the same event. If I am awake to that moment, then I don't have to think to myself, what do I do with it? If a grizzly bear walked into your room right now, you wouldn't think, what do I do? The recognition of the inherent danger would give you an action. It is true when it comes to our higher consciousness. It has its own action when it is aware of what is compromising it. That's how it's dealt with, through awareness. It is in the darkness that we sleep. It is in the light that awakens us to that darkness. And it is the action that follows that awakening that is literally what guides us through those moments. I'm going to I'm going to offer another question here sure, sure. You because uh, it seems to me that a lot of us are aware when there are harmful. Um, our body tells us that we're we're not feeling well, right. we're stressed out, we right. have low energy. Sometimes we develop physical problems. Sometimes we're in relationships that aren't that satisfying. So we have some awareness bodily as well as psychological that things aren't working. And yet that physical awareness isn't enough, I think, always to propel us into waking up is what what you're what you're suggesting. It's it's kind of the problem of the frog in the boiling water, you know, the, yes, that gets very up, much so. you know, yeah, yeah. gets heated very slowly. And so we become used to. And of course, we see reflected in many um, places uh, in our in our world the same sorts of fearful assumptions, and also the same assumptions that this is the way things are, and this is about as good as it's going to get. Right. So, how is it that our our body, or or what is it that enables us when we see all of this? Uh, around us, which tells us that this is fine and normal, to say, no, it's not. There's another way. There is a, a central dysfunction, literally a disconnection in our consciousness. We have a, a mind that is divided. And a mind that is divided simply means this. It means that there is something in me that wherever I go, without me even knowing that I have brought it with me, I know how you should be. I know how this should go. I know where this should lead. And I know that this ought not be like that. Uh, but I don't know that I know that until the moment comes. So that when the teacher comes, basically, I like some teachers and other teachers, I go, no, 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 no. Um, I'm going to pretend that I didn't have that cough because I'm terrified of COVID. I'm going to pretend my tooth doesn't hurt because I can't afford a dentist, or I'm just flat out afraid of dentists like I am clowns. You fill in the blank. There is an essential, immediate denial of what is real 
when it doesn't match what we call reality as constructed by an unconscious nature. So this central dis, uh, division is between something in us that says, this is how it should be. And when it isn't that way, then I'm going to have to take actions. But I will deny as long as I can what I don't like, what I don't want to see, because I don't know how to deal really with what I don't like and what I don't want to see, because I've already spent 487,000 years trying to control people and conditions to make it into something I want, and it doesn't work. So I'm in a between a rock and a hard place. That's where we need to get to, where every part of us is trying to escape that. Because it isn't until we actually see the fact of that, that we realize if we're going to find freedom, it's not going to be about through imagining another kind of freedom through a reconfigured set of arrangements with my past pushed forward. It's going to be with discovering that something in me keeps creating the condition that I find myself in. And letting go is the realization of that condition as an expression of a sleeping consciousness that when awakened to, I begin the true path. So let's talk about how we find that moment of, um, of change or of awareness within ourselves that, that leads us to not repeat the same pattern. You, in your book, um, one of the chapter titles is Your Ultimate Victory Over Harmful Inner Voices. Mm -hmm. Could you talk a little bit about what kind of change of consciousness we need in order to begin to wake up or to change our consciousness in that way that allows us to do something different? I think I can do that. I'm going to use your earlier analogy, but now I'm going to bring you into the mix. Let's say that Suzanne has a friend and that every time her friend comes over, when her friend leaves, 90% of the time, Suzanne feels worse for her friend's visit than she feels good about it. And then let's just say that once in a while, Suzanne notices that a ring is missing or a piece of silverware or some silk cloth, something from her uh, puja desk, whatever it may be. Things are missing. And then one day she, she actually realizes, you know, there is a connection between this person that I love spending time with and the fact that I don't feel so good after I do and that I'm losing stuff. Things are being stolen from me. Then she gets confirmation. OMG, the person that I spend all this time with is not really my friend at all. Does Suzanne have to think about what to do with her friend? Or is that the end of it on the spot? Maybe one confrontation, then one more re-event, and then that's it. She lets go of what she realizes is not helping her, is not her friend, but has actually been harming her. That is exactly the parallel. I call it divine dissatisfaction. How many times do I have to listen to anxiety tell me what to do to be free of my anxiety before I finally realize that anxiety is not interested in bringing an end to anxiety? Anxiety wants to live, but it can't live without me giving it a life. End of story. I am unfriending 
anxiety. I am unfriending all of these negative states that I always took as protectors and guides. Because when I'm anxious or angry or fearful, I am not being protected by that state, even though it says if you do this, you'll get through it. No, I'm being led by the nose like a donkey through a set of uh, thoughts and feelings that lead me right where that state needs me to be so that it can strengthen its grip over my life. No more. That's letting go. That realization, that new action and actualization is the beginning of the end of an unconscious relationship that we have with an unconscious nature. Hmm, interesting. And what if that unconscious nature is also connected to people that we actually know in our lives who have certain <laughs> yeah. expectations yeah, about yeah. how we are? Yeah, yeah. That, see, it, it eventually comes down to this for all of us in one way or another. Self-interest rules the day. Like, I'm, I love being a spiritual aspirant, but my spiritual love for being an aspirant kind of runs into this wall when I realize that there is someone who is not only not interested in the things that I am interested in, but if I bring it up or even suggest a change, they're going to threaten without saying so maybe, they're gonna let me know that's not flying kiddo, so you, let's change course. So how do I keep the people in my life that I wanna keep in my life and keep my own life at the same time? When you get to that point, that choice will be made for you. You will see, that as long as you keep people in your life that determine for you your freedom, you have no freedom. That's called codependency in the truest sense of the word, where I am afraid to live without you because I don't know who I am without you in my life, even if having you in my life means I resent you because you're keeping me locked up in a set of rules I'm not interested in. Real action, real freedom, I call it the real rebellion, is, is already present inside of the soul. It, it, it's, it's longing like a, a bird trapped in some kind of aviary to get out. But it doesn't really know that it's trapped until it begins to wake up. That's what we have to do. Letting go follows recognizing that something has a leash on us and we thought it was wise because it seemed to guide us. It's not guiding us. It is keeping us a captive. How have you negotiated this sort of thing in your own life? I mean, I imagine that you have some people in your own life who you, for whatever reason, don't want to let go of who who maybe don't reflect the um the consciousness that you want to hold about yourself. I mean it's it sounds to me and I don't think this is what you're proposing uh that um we live in a world that only has people who reflect our own level of consciousness. No, that would well but see that's what we're trying to do now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just described the world as it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what this world is with all of its identity politics, left wing, right wing, up, down, this, that, and the other. 
everybody trying to get everybody around them to reflect their values. And anybody that doesn't reflect those values is wrong. And one way or the other, I'm going to have to change them by force or by law or some moral code. That is the definition of war and hatred. That's where we are. I'm saying just the opposite. I'm saying let us start in the only place we can that if everyone started there, we would all arrive at the same place. To thine own self be true. Mm -hmm. And let the rest of everything else hang if that's what it has to do. Because if I can't be true to myself as best I understand myself. See, that's the problem is that I think I know myself. When I really don't know myself at all, what I know is what this self keeps telling me about myself and then says everybody has to confirm to that. So if I will just do that, I don't have to negotiate. I run a foundation, Suzanne. I have, I have students all around the world. I have men and women that help me, a large body. All of them do not see eye to eye at any point in time. But in this work, we understand what it means to love thine enemy, to realize that the person that's troubling me is actually a secret agent of the divine come to help me wake up to some demand that I have that I don't know I have. And in the realization of the pain of that demand, something else will take place that can't be imagined. And I will exit that moment of relationship, a different order of human being that went into it because I had to let go of what doesn't work within it. So in your book, you talk about how we can let go. And I'm just wondering, can you give us some idea of what that looks and feels like? The real answer is that you have to find out for yourself, but I'll do something with you to help you see this. And everybody listening, you can do this too. Take your left hand, Susan, Suzanne, left hand. And this is going to represent all the things that I want, that I believe, that I'm sure are true, and that I really basically insist take place, left hand. Now, right hand, take your right hand. That's going to represent the world as it is, which is essentially a, an endless convergent of celestial, planetary, cosmic, influences coming from a timeless world into the world of time, my left hand. And now what happens when suddenly everything that's coming into my life doesn't match the life that I want? What do I try to do with everything that's coming in? I start pushing against it. So please go ahead and push, get, get rid of the things you don't want. Left hand wants, right hand isn't what I want. Get rid of it, get rid of it. Now you want to know what letting go is? Letting go is realizing the absolute futility of this resistance. And then you stop. That's letting go. Because you understand there is nothing that that fear, that anger, that resistance, nothing that that consciousness can do can change the fact that change has come and is asking us, will you let me show you something about your nature that you don't know is true? Because if you'll allow me to show you this, you will see it is inherently limited. And the release is the realization that who you are already has within it all that you need to be free. Freedom is not an action taken against something or for something. Freedom is being where the action begins and being part of the creative moment where one recognizes as I push 
which is like an isometric exercise. I'm actually strengthening the left hand the more I push against what I don't want. Hmm? To discover that is the beginning of relaxing, coming into the present moment instead of trying to push into something I need to do or become so that I can be free of the problem of real life. <laughs> if people want to find out more about your work, where can they go? I, I teach three, four times a week. Uh, I'm online Wednesdays and Sundays, giving free talks, free conversations. You can find out about that at guyfinley.org forward slash free classes. Go to guyfinley.org to select events. You can find out that I'm on Insight Timer every Saturday morning. I have a YouTube channel. I mean, you, if, you, if a person has any interest at all, oh, and I don't know if this airs in time, we're going to be at New Renaissance. <laughs> I was going to mention that, yes. So you have a workshop coming yeah. up at New Renaissance Bookstore in Portland, but online. Yes. Uh, on January 20th. Could you just talk a little bit about what that workshop will entail? The main thrust of what I'm going to talk about on uh, that on Thursday, I think January 20th at, at New Renaissance is that we, we we're missing half of life. Well, I mean, quite literally, we're missing half of life. We think our perception of this world is that we are here to take something from it, to add something to ourselves, to find some sense of so, uh, social or personal importance. But the other half, the most important half, or at least the half that we can't do without is learning that the other half of life is letting go, not claiming, not acquiring, but that if a person can't learn to let go, no matter what it is that they acquire, it will always become a stumbling block to them because then they believe that who they are depends on what they've acquired, on how people see them. So there's this fine line. You know, the, I took the path less traveled, all those, all those analogies connecting to a, a middle path, a, a road that no one sees because the sleeping consciousness can't. That's what I'm going to talk about. I'll talk about the real nature of letting go and how we are created to participate in the grand celestial process of letting go. Thank you so much. You're welcome so much. I am Suzanne Legrand, and today on The Shaman's Notebook, I have been speaking with Guy Finley. Each week, I bring you new perspectives on healing from energy medicine practitioners, shamans, intuitives, and scientists who are changing the way we think, feel, and heal. If you enjoyed the show and would like to learn more about healing, energy medicine, and new ways to heal, feel, and, and think, subscribe in the link below. And if you're interested in meeting some people I interview and being part of my free Friday healing salons from 11 to noon on Fridays, write me or click the link below and I'll send you all the details. I am Suzanne Legrand and this is The Shaman's Notebook. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Suzanne Legrand and you've been listening to The Shaman's Notebook. For more insights and adventures into healing, subscribe below and visit me at SuzanneLegrand.com. <laughs>